Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black leg. If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am. Streaming and 3CR Digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! Good morning. This is Annie for Solidarity Breakfast. And uh, although we had a hiccup at the beginning, uh, struggling with the uh, world of... uh, Onlineness. We are here. Uh, hopefully, that's the only hiccup that we'll have for the program today. Anyway, uh, we're going to take you to uh, a demonstration that was uh, held uh, at the on Tuesday, actually, outside the Indonesian uh, embassy. It's in relation to the uh, East uh, uh, West Papuans. There's uh, West Papua, there is, has been an uprise in um, violence against local West Papuans, uh, and uh, this is being uh, registered in expatriate communities, and uh, this is what this demonstration was about. So Rebecca went down and talked to people who were there to explain uh, what's been going on. Uh, we move on to a vigil to the uh, for the uh, Darling River. You'll remember that there was the reported mass kill of fish. Millions of fish have died in that river system, and it uh, recently and it uh, pinpointed a, a, a gross mishandling of our environment and the river in particular, the river systems in particular. So uh, they had a vigil last night at outside the State Library here in Melbourne uh, and they discussed some of the issues. So uh, I went along and uh, collected some material for those who could not be there. Uh, we move on to our uh, talk with... Uh, uh, Fair go for pensioners. They've got their uh, they're rallying their forces uh, leading up to the next federal election. And for those people who only listen to the program to hear Kevin's view of the week, you will be so happy to note that this is the first uh, day for his return. Now, of course, you realise, of course, at the moment we're in the middle of uh, a subscriber drive for three CR because this is your radical radio and they want you to feed it. Uh, $35 concession pensioners, $75 wage to $150 solidarity band or organisation. If you are due to renew your subscription, we'd love to hear from you. And also if you listen but uh, you uh, haven't actually made the plunge, we'd love to hear from you as well. During uh, working hours, uh, that's during the week, 
uh, for when we've got office staff on four nine four one nine eight three seven seven. You can do it over the phone. You can go online. You can come in. We'd love to hear from you. Well, if you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. We'll check out the happening vibe. We're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to three, say, oh, flap your ears. What? Who the hell's that? Flap your ears. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Flap your ears. Get out. Get the hell out of here now. That's right, Handmade Radio here on 3CR. And uh, as I said, uh, Rebecca went down to the demonstration outside the Indonesian embassy this week, Tuesday, early in the, in the morning. They went down there to uh, tell the Indonesian embassy that uh, put a, le- a, a billet doux regarding uh, West Papua. Papua, Rebecca! Papua! I would like to thank uh, all audience here, all uh, activists in here, our friends from Australia. <coughs> uh, before we start, uh, uh, we uh, pay our full respect to our brothers and sisters of indigenous people of this uh, continent, uh, past, present and uh, Uh, Today we stand here together with uh, all uh, our brothers and sisters in Nduga. Nduga is uh, one place in the highlands, the place in the history, lots of uh, uh, suffering up there. We have a lot of place in West Papua since West Papua occupied in 1961. On 19th of December 1961, uh, first president of Indonesia declared occupation of West Papua. So West Papua occupied by uh, uh, crime against humanity of West Papua by Indonesian military and backed up by two big superpowers, Eastern Bloc, uh, at the time they called USSR, Russian, and also US alliance, and also China. So we are victim of a global uh, policy because it's part of uh, global or capital interest to how they control our resources there. They not need West Papuan people. They only need resources. So since 1961 until now, almost one million Papuan already killed and ongoing killed. So today, uh, inside West Papua, prepare for tomorrow, big rally around Papua to uh, reject all military operation in Duga and all area in Highland in West Papua, but also in the coast and island. So today, uh, once again, on behalf of the people of West Papua, we're proud that we have you in here. We have other friends now, they're also going and action like us in uh, Sydney, in Brisbane, in Darwin, in Perth, and uh, people inside also the Apollo. Uh, I would like to update a little bit that last year, last December, uh, by 
killing and put almost 1,000 students in the jail in seven city in Indonesia and also uh, four five city in West Papua. And one day later, on 2nd of December, our Liberation Army killed Indonesian uh, army also, but they said that civilian. But we know that those who work there is a Siku, that's art military. Because today in Indonesia, in West Papua, the control of uh, development of Papua is a military, and security and defense also military, so not still. So uh, when you hear that uh, civil kill in West Papua is not, not right, that's a liar by Indonesian military. They only pretended that uh, uh, civilian of Indonesia killed by our Liberation Army, and that's not true. I would like to uh, send this message also to Canberra, Washington, and Brussels, that they will still believe that special autonomy is the solution, but it's not. Uh, special autonomy already failed. Today, West Papua, they only call to the world to allow them, let them to choose the future based on the United Nations mechanism is a referendum. So all uh, decisions must make by UN uh, mechanism because West Papua involved by UN to transfer to Indonesia. So today we call back to Canberra, Washington and Brussels. Is the I call that uh, uh, the world train triangle because this triangle they are control the world today. So we call today to them to push Jakarta to stand on democratic system they believe in this era modern to let West Papua choose the future based on the United Nations mechanism one person man one vote and that's we wait for thank you Papua How did you find out about this activity today? Well, I found out through Facebook, through social media, on yeah. one of the Facebook pages, through yeah. the uh, invitation page. Yeah. And what I saw, um, I thought that it would be very good to come and support. Yes. Um, I'm of Polynesian um, descent, and um, it's very sad what's happening to, um, you know, I see West Papua as my brothers and sisters uh, from across the ocean yeah. um, as neighbours yeah. um, and that's why I thought I'll come and support today right. and, 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 and the reason why I'm wearing this hat is yes. because whatever is happening in West Papua there is no love no love whatsoever and it makes me very sad yeah. mm. what do you think because uh, there's quite uh, a growing support for West Papua and the Pacific. Um, but what do you think about Pacific people in Australia? Like, uh, is there do people know about it? Or? From 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 what I've observed, I don't think there's 
enough awareness and there needs to be more awareness and more the word needs to get out there on social media that's the only way because that the more people that know about it the better and my my belief is that the people are the government not 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 the the Indonesian government not not any other government that controls what's happening in in West Papua but the people can can become the government themselves you see and and at the same time get the word out there as much as we can because there's 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 not enough not enough awareness there's not I, and I don't know why that is I do not know why that is. We are all human beings. And when you hear of something, when you hear of something that that is atrocious, you know, that is the the atrocities that are happening to our neighboring um, brothers and sisters, you've got to do something about it. You can't just keep your mouth shut. You can't just continue with your own life. Yeah. You've got to do something about it. Yeah. Because that guilt, that, that conscience that we all have, makes us think about whether... What happens if that, that, that what's happening in West Papua is, is your brother or is yeah. your sister or is yeah. your mother or father? Mm-hmm. And you've got to do... We've got to stand up yeah. for, for justice. Yeah. Yeah, hi Sue. Hi, how's it going? What, uh, what brings you down here today? Well, I saw the message about the national, International Day of Action around genocide in West Papua and I am really shocked that there's been such an escalation of killings and repression in West Papua last year as well as this year and there's been very little uh, public attention or very little media attention so I just wanted to come and show my solidarity and support especially given that Australia has been implicated with its support for Indonesia against the West Papuans over many decades and um, Australians need to stand up against that. Yeah, how do you think we can do that? Well, I think through actions like this, um, I think, and yeah, I think we've uh, got to do as much public campaigning as we can and try and progressively bring more and more people um, to an understanding of this issue. And also um, connect this issue with other social movements that exist in Australia, such as the refugee movement, because I know a lot of West Papuans are refugees some time ago now, but um, it's it's a way of a lot of Australians understand about refugees, Um, so it's a way of introducing people to the West Papua issue, like why people were forced to become refugees all those years ago. And um, I think that's one 
thing. And already the West Papuan community has got a strong connection with the First Nations community in Australia, and I think that's really good. Um, and I think those sorts of things need to be continued. But I think just trying to bring more and more organisations and individuals on board. Indonesia! We are Maluku! Alifuru people! We would like to say, you are liar! We are Melanesian! Not Indonesian! I would like to say, please, don't tell liar to international people! We know what you're doing! West Papua is not animal! That's why you kill the people like animal! You know what you're doing! We are the Melanesian! Not Indonesian! Stop killing us! Because what you want, only our resources! No more than that! You give the money, but you kill the people! This is Iri Leke, you're here on 3CR 855 AM Community Radio, also streaming on 3cr.org.au. Free West Papua, Papua Merdeka, gets up one talks. You're on 3CR with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast and uh, we're going to move on straight away to our vigil for the Darling River. You'll remember that there was a mass kill of fish a couple of weeks ago and this is an ongoing problem with one of the, well, actually the biggest river system within a very dry continent, Australia. So uh, let's go down to the steps uh, from last night uh, outside the State Library. Do you have a connection to the river? Uh, yes, my father grew up in Menindee. Oh, yes. So 
when I was growing up, we just had so many Menindee stories, you know, about swimming the river and playing around on the banks of the river. And about three years ago, I went up there, and um, so that was an amazing experience. But just uh, that visit, I suppose, together with Dad's stories, just made me realise the importance of the river. But when Dad was a kid, there were paddle steamers going up and down, you know. So why have you come today? Oh, just from a date, I suppose. I mean, so I feel really upset about it. And um, just because I know little bits and pieces about it, I just can't believe that everybody isn't up in, up in arms because the Murray-Darling da, Murray Basin is such a huge area. And if that's fucked, <laughs> um, I don't know where we're going to get our water from. Everybody for coming to the vigil for the Barker. My name is Megan Williams. I'm the River Country Coordinator at Friends of the Earth. And this vigil has been organised by both River Country and Mildred, the uh, Murray Lower Darling Indigenous Nations. Um, and yeah, I'd like to thank you all for coming. Today, we're going to hear from a couple of speakers. We're first up, we're going to have a welcome from Dave, Uncle Dave Wanden. Uh, from Wurundjeri and then after that we have um, we'll hear from Uncle Badger Bates from Barkindji who chatted to me on the phone uh, earlier this week and we've got a um, so he'll speak to us through a recording uh, and then we'll be hearing from Rob McBride who is a grazier uh, on Tolano station which is uh, a big sheep station out on the Darling as well so Welcome to Wurundjeri Country. My name is Uncle Dave, and I'm an elder of the Wurundjeri Tribe Land Council, where we are the, the land of my ancestors, where we are the gathered here today to protest about our country. Not my country that we're protesting about today. We're protesting about the Murray Darling. But we have water here too. We have our beautiful Yarra River. We have our Maribyrnong. We have our Werribee which is part of Wurundjeri country. And a disgrace of what's happened on the Murray-Darling. And it's not something that happened overnight. It's something that they knew could happen and they could have prevented it. And I am glad to see the representatives from Mildren here because they actually work with Wurundjeri. They knew what was going wrong. They knew that we have a water policy and they've come and worked in our office and guided us to make sure that the same mistakes are not made because they are preventable. It's not climate change. It's bad land management. It's bad water management. We're not gonna let that happen on Wurundjeri country. And we'll do what we can to set the example of how it's done right. Our Yarra is under threat. We're not gonna lose a million and a half fish or two million fish because they're already gone. They weren't killed in one fell swoop. They were killed by slow death of pollution. But we can change that. And I'm really glad to see all the people that are here to support it. But I must first off, as part of the welcome, I pay my respects to my ancestors and my elders, past and present. I pay my respects to all other indigenous people that are here and their communities and what they represent. Also to their elders, past and present, 
and emerging. Because for too long, our elders' knowledge was ignored on how to care for country. And a lot of the knowledge was lost through colonisation. But there's a new generation of elders coming up, of which I'm one. My time left on this earth is not that long, but I have children now who stand up and are proud to be Aboriginal and they want to fight for their country and they want to show the people who live on our country how to care for it. Now the Murray-Darling didn't happen overnight, but it needn't have happened at all. When Captain Cook first got here and Governor Phillip arrived with his convict ships and they tried to wipe us out, when what they should have been doing is saying, why you black fellas do that? And we could have told them. Because it's cultural law to protect the country. I'm, uh, my name's Badger Bates. I'm a Barker Weembicher from the Barker of Wilcannia. I'm a Diamond River black person from Wilcannia. Uh, my connections and my people's connection to the river is we call ourselves Barker we just mean we Darling River black people from the Darling River. We take our name Barkindy from the river. So the river, the Darling River, or the Bark as we like to call it, is very special to us. It's, it's our mother, it's our lifeblood, and without the Barker, we are nothing. We don't even claim to be black people if the bark, if people take the bark from us, we are nothing. We got no culture, we got nothing. Why I say this is because when we feeling down, lonely and that, we will go to the river, sit out the river, and it sort of heals us. It, there's just something about it, we talk to the river. Then in the river, with all the things in the river, there is a lot of things special, but the most important special thing to us is the Nachi or Rainbow Serpent. That created the river from a long time ago, from where Kulawaya Dreamtime, Dreaming Fella took uh, a Nachi in the water from a place about 80 k's north of Volcania from a place called Piri Lake. Then he went up the river to where it starts, up near Burke, that's our country, right down to Wentworth. And he met Pina then as a mudlark, or what we call a peewee. It's like a little bird, like a magpie. And he talked to the Pina, and he told Pina to pull a root of a tree out of the ground. And when it pulled the root of the tree out of the ground, Kulawara was singing it, and it, because the tree root bends a lot, and when he was singing it, the depression was getting bigger where the roof was coming out of the ground and he made the bark of the Darling River. And then what he done then, he poured the water, what he took from Piri Lakes from a mound spring into the river and it created the river. Then Bondu the cod also helped create the river. Bondu was there, but soon as the depressed the water hit the river, Bondu jumped in the river and he started to swim and it created the river sort of with, it's sort of like something like 
the Murray, we got a shared story with the people from the Murray on the Murray River around Mildura uh, Nut, and it's called Bunti and Nutji. It's the same sort of story just about, okay? So those two rivers to us Barkany people, they mean a lot because of the dreaming, but also all other rivers in Australia must be protected and must be looked after yeah, and, and, and respected. The subsequent fish death, it was mainly the lack of water from what the irrigators taken up the top end and we had a lot of bad water but there's a weir pool and this goes about 42 kilometres from the main weir at Menindi to this weir, what they call weir 32. And because they didn't have enough water stored away because the government with their stupid Murray-Darling Basin plan was not in water go when it shouldn't have been. And then when we come to the big crisis now in the drought and all that, the fish experts saying that the algae was forming and you get hot chain and algae coming and you get a cold chain and it just kills everything. And that's why about a couple of days ago, they had to take 20 cod from this weir called Weir 32 to Narandra at a fish hatchery there to try and protect, uh, save the cods. And then they'll keep them there for 12 months, 18 months. And when these fellows come and sort their so-called management out, they'll bring our bundle back, our cod back. And to see our bundles get taken away, being stressed, is very disheartening. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, Rob. Thank you very much indeed, Megan. <coughs> Firstly, like to pay respects to uh, Uncle Dave's uh, descendants, past, present and future. Also, uh, the Cooley Nations, and also, obviously, one of my favourites is the Bakinji Nation, because I guess that's where our part of the world is, and that's where Badger Bates comes from. So, I'm honoured to be a friend of Badger. He's an amazing man. Uh, we're catching up in Sydney a few days' time to keep the trouble going in New South Wales, because that's where most of the problems happen. Ladies and gentlemen, the worst environmental disaster in our country's history is taking place as we speak. This is totally man-made. This has nothing to do with drought. This is corruption at its penultimate. Nowhere on the planet would capitalists believe they could destroy a river system and get away with it. Sad thing is, up our part of the way, we're the same size as Tasmania, we're Central Darling Shire, and there's 2,000 people in our area. That's it, 2,000 people to defend 200 500 kilometres of a river. We're getting killed out. The uh, uh, Wukanya uh, is the home of the Barkindji Nation um, these days. The average life expectancy for a Barkindji lady is 42, 37 for a male. This is third world conditions, and this is no mistake. This is no accident. This is no drought. This is government policy, both state, New South Wales, and federal. Give you an example, the Menindee Lakes, which are the most amazing lakes south of Kakadu in Australia, they, they're four times the size of Sydney Harbour, vast amounts of water. At any one time, eight years supply of water. They were filled twice. 
in the last four years. They've been drained twice in the last four years. That's 16 years of water going down the Darling for no apparent reason because the Murray was in flood. And I was talking to the gentleman who's now just retired from the Murray-Darling Basin who I'd love to go to jail one day. And I was telling him on a weekly basis why you're doing this. The Murray's in flood. Why are you destroying the Menindee Lakes? He said it's in the policy. Well, we will get a Federal Royal Commission. I guess we were there when we started the State Royal Commission. But some of these pictures, ladies and gentlemen, you've just got to understand the magnitude of what's coming. A couple of million fish, I mean, I held one with a mate and, you know, eight million people around the world kind of took a little view and said, that's probably not a good thing. I'm the world's worst fisherman. God only help. If I can catch a fish, it just shows how, dis how destructive this nation's become on its own people. And... Fortunately, the world's seen what an absolute bloody disgrace this is. This is totally man-made. So in the next few months, you've got a situation at the moment where our daughter flew up over Queensland. There's cotton growers in Queensland taking the water out of the catchment as we speak to put into their cotton crops. These fish, the two or three million fish you've seen die thus far, I was speaking to senior people within the New South Wales Department of Ag, we're probably going to be looking somewhere in the vicinity to six to eight hundred million dead fish. That's six to eight hundred million dead fish in the 500 kilometre journey from Menindee to Wentworth. This is no, I miss a quote, miss a number. This is the numbers we're talking about. So you guys should be, like we were, totally beside ourselves seeing a million dead fish and then a few weeks later another million dead fish. Do you know what it's like to live in that? To imagine your country could kill your people, kill your nation, and kill your future for profits at the expense of everything? Ladies and gentlemen, we, we're doing a lot of work with Badger Bates, um, the Barkindji Nation from the very top, from Fred Hooper's country up north to uh, Mildred down south, Rene Woods. We're all in this together. And ladies and gentlemen, don't think you're oblivious to this in Victoria because remember, you, a lot of your businesses draw upon the Murray River. When I was a kid, I lived on a river called the Darling River. It was one of the great rivers of the world. It was about 1,650 kilometres. It went dry once in 1942-43 for about two months. Never before, never since had it gone dry until recent years. Total corruption total mismanagement and total greed. And the fact is, state New South Wales government is still trying to kill it, doing its utmost to kill the Menindee Lakes and the whole river system, and your federal government's doing exactly the same. So I guess we're spending a lot of time with Badger and ourselves and a lot of like-minded people up and down the river to understand that's the Darling. But remember, 40% of your water supply that comes down the Murray-Darling used to come down the Darling. It's no longer coming down the Darling. So that means your sustainable irrigators in the Goulburn Valley are paying the price. Prices have gone up about 350% on their water. 37 dairies have gone under in the last three weeks. Their water bills have gone from 100,000 a month to three or 400,000 a month. Suicide rates in country Victoria are going through the roof. You don't hear that because the press won't hear, hear anything. You know, we were hell-bent for about five or six years at Talana. We're just a sheep station um, on the Darling River, pretty proud of our history. We 
Got a house where Birk and Wills stayed at. Waltzy Matilda came from Tolano. And also the Australian Labor Party got going on our banks. So a little bit of history there. We've been banging this drum for five years. And the free-to-wear press, the channels 9, 7, 10s, did not want to know about this. I spoke to the guys in charge of these organisations and they said, look, we've been up the Darling before. And we said, no, this is the worst ecological disaster facing our country in its history. No. Nah. Ladies and gentlemen, your press is totally controlled by a select few who want you to turn away and not notice what's going on. We've been, but please, ladies and gentlemen, there's 2,000 of us in the state size of Tasmania. The whole, from Burke down to Poon Carey, you've probably never heard of those two places, but we're defending to the best of our ability, but we can't do it by ourselves. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is your fight. This is your country. Ladies and gentlemen, your country is being murdered. Your rivers, without it, rivers, there's no Melbourne, there's no Sydney, there's no future. So please, ladies and gentlemen, understand the Yarra isn't the big game. The big game of town was the Darling. They've killed that. Next team in town is the Murray River. And when that goes, pack up. There's not much left going to be here in the city and country of Australia. So thank you very much indeed for your time. And, yeah, so if fighting or joining the fight to save the Darling is something that interests you, uh, I'd encourage you to come and take a flyer. We meet regularly on Tuesday nights at Friends of the Earth uh, on Smith Street. So that's 6pm Tuesday nights at Friends of the Earth. We also have an information night coming up in a couple of weeks. So take a flyer, pop it in your diaries and join us. Get informed uh, and take action because it's a really important issue uh, that is really affecting people uh, who otherwise their voices don't get heard. Hi, my name is Lex Wharton and I listen to 3CR and I hope you do too. I hope that you could support 3CR in its radiothon because 3CR supports the fight for communities and support in all areas of struggles. So please listen to 3CR. And I'm sure Lex would ask you to be a subscriber in our subscriber drive. 
a 3CR subscriber drive going through the month of February. Uh, $35 concession pensioner, $75 waged and $150 solidarity so that the messages get out to you. And you might also want to know about a rally against discrimination uh, which is on at 2pm at the uh, library steps today if you've got nothing else doing or if you'd already packed your bag and thought you are going to go to that particular event. Right now, we're going to have a yarn with uh, Roger Wilson from Fairgo for Pensioners. Roger, yes. hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you, and yourself? Good, good to hear from you. Thank you. And uh, we were going to have a yarn about what the Fairgo for Pensioners group thinks should be some of the uh, uh, things that we're focusing on leading up to the federal election. Well, as uh, most of your listeners know, uh, the social security system's pretty broken at the moment, so we'll be concentrating on our claims with respect to uh, lobbying as many members of parliament or those that are putting their hand up to be a member of parliament uh, to see what they have to say about the claims of Fairgo for pensioners which cover the broad spectrum of social security. So which ones, I mean, yes, broad spoke. To give an idea of Hmm. uh, what we're planning, for instance... On Wednesday next week, Fairgo for Pensioners will be having a meeting to plan the lobbying, particularly of Victorian-based Labor members of the House of Representatives and Labor senators, and the underlying assumption is that as things stand at present it's reasonable to accept that Labor may be successful in winning government. So we've got a list of all of their Victorian senators and members of the House of Representatives, and we're planning to seek interviews with those people because Parliament will soon be in recess. And... Uh, we'll be putting to them uh, the various claims. For example, uh, Fago for Pensioners has been campaigning since its inception in 2007 for a more adequate uh, age pension. And uh, following the uh, Abbott hockey budget, when Abbott was Prime Minister... That budget saw a vicious attack on all aspects of Social Security, so we began reaching out to the unemployed, the single parents uh, and other people subject to the Social Security system on the basis that, well, unity is better than division among all those that need assistance in one way or another. We're also planning a 
budget rally. Uh, the budget, it's said that the budget will come out before the election, which makes it an early budget. We don't expect any improvements for pensioners and others on uh, recipients of the social security system. So uh, we'll be demonstrating our concerns about that budget uh, at a date yet to be fixed. Let's, uh, Roger, let's go back to what you were saying in regards to uh, the Abbott period. Uh, like you said, that rejigged perceptions around uh, the social security system. Uh, where, no doubt about that. Yeah, where... Uh, even the age pension was con- was called a uh, um, at the discretion of the government. Yeah, yeah not, that, a, not an entitlement. Not an entitlement, and and in fact, they went further to say that people who were under the umbrella of social security uh, were acting as if they were entitled people. Uh, That's right. Yeah, That's can right. you talk to us a little bit around that shift? in the way people are being represented? Well, I think in terms of that particular period, we certainly weren't being represented in any sense at all by the Abbott hockey government. And uh, I have to say that my view about this retrograde uh, development of the idea that Uh, There is no uh, system to look after people. Well, let me put it another way. I think a measure of a reasonable society, among other things, is how the state looks after its older people. Those people, of course, in most instances, have contributed... Uh, much of their most of their adult life in working and paying taxes to the state so that we can have schools hospitals public transport and all of the things that are needed in a modern society i think the idea that uh, they shouldn't uh, be provided by the nation is uh, quite a reactionary view and it's a view that really emanates from the ideas of the steam-driven capitalism. That's how I uh, see it and I think more and more uh, governments are taking these sorts of measures uh, to develop the notion that, well, you're on your own. It's a bit like when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister in uh, the United Kingdom. She's on record as saying, society, there is no society. There's only individuals and they all have to look after themselves. I think this is an extremely dangerous idea and has to be resisted. Uh, with uh, 
as much strength as we can. So if uh, people want to be part of uh, the rally that you're talking about, the budget rally, or be part of uh, discussions that you're having next Wednesday, how would they become well, involved? Well, we, we, they can either uh, contact me, and uh, my phone number is 9376-6429, or we do uh, have... Uh, a website, and uh, if they uh, Google Fair Go for Pensioners, they'll uh, pick up that website and it will have the necessary information once we've determined a time and a date. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Roger. Uh, that's, uh, I should also say, uh, perhaps to conclude, that one of the issues of significant importance with the growth of Poverty is the need for uh, adequate and affordable housing, in particular public housing. And it appears that not only the federal government, but all state governments, be they Labor or Conservative, are moving away from public housing as though they no longer wish to accept the responsibility. So this is an increasing issue and one is aware of it when you walk around the city and uh, some of the suburbs and see people sleeping at the railway stations uh, or wherever. It's a definite sign of the increased growth in poverty and that needs to be strongly resisted. You couldn't couldn't, uh, agree more. Thank you very much for talking to us and today, thank Roger. You, thank you, and thank you to your listeners. Transitions Film Festival returns to Cinema Nova this February with a selection of cutting-edge documentaries about what it means to be human. Featuring local and international documentaries, the festival covers social and technological innovations, big ideas and changemakers leading the way to a better world. Themes include art, activism, climate change, food revolutions, artificial intelligence and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, February the 21st to March the 8th at Cinema Nova. Tickets from transitionsfilmfestival.com. A 3CR supporter. A weak solidarity, Bricky team listener, when we return for the year in danger... What's that noise? It, it sounds like a loud groan. I, I wasn't expecting that. Well, I'm going on regardless. Return for the year in dangerous times as big supremos scuttle them more like sun and our protector of freedoms of our security, Constable Peter Duffer, warn us we're about to be overrun by boat people. And doesn't that bring back tragic memories of James Cook and Arthur Phillip and the boat people who followed them? Because we know what that did to the local population, the disaster that followed. And Scuttle Them and Peter are warning us it could happen again. No no stronger, it's about to happen again. And as an aside, that's why they also want us to keep remembering Arthur Phillips' arrival as a boat person with a great national holiday so we don't forget the tragedy. And Peter warned us that not only will, will will we be overrun, but those overrunning us will be evil child molesters, pedophiles, sexual predators. None of us will be safe. 
And we all know who's to blame for all this, don't we? The bloody socialists. They're out of control. Wanting us to treat no proper papers, queue-jumping, illegal boat people like real human beings. Treat them literally when they're unwell. For goodness sake, allowing them to enter the country until they're well before sending them back to what made them unwell. Ignoring the inevitable consequences for this country and this madness, this disregard for national security has forced poor Scuttle them to reopen Christmas Island Paradise Prison Camp because thanks to the socialists and the naive crossbench lot whom the socialists supported, the people smugglers have got the message true blue he is once again open for business. And although we can't know the details for security reasons, it's in our interest not to know, our dedicated border force has been turning boats around for eons and sending these child-molesting, pedophile, sexual predators back to where they came from, to the persecution they were fleeing, well, claim they were fleeing, the bombs, the slaughter, true blue Aussie, under the direction of our very, very, very close friend, the US of the UN of the US of the world and other good guys gift upon them to guarantee their security under liberty, freedom and democracy. Ungrateful recipients. But why do I get that certain feeling that pretty shortly a number of these boats will sneak through, penetrate the border force protection and prove the socialists have put us all at grave risk to life, limb and genitals? Yet, just a few weeks ago, I thought the boat people invasion had already begun, when members of the caring business class government were leaping overboard like, dare I say it, like rats leaping off a sinking. But we were assured by Scuttle them and what was left of the team, it was all for personal reasons and nothing to do with that sinking feeling they were about to lose their jobs. And I felt really guilty at the thought I'd had about the Minister for Smashing Evil Unions and Evil Workers, Kelly Odawire Workers, so evil, when Scuttle them informed us she was leaving to add to her dear little family and how she had suffered and how we must all love her. Uh, which was a big ask. But I decided to love her because she had suffered so much after setting up the bank Her Most Gracious Majesty's Royal Commission to get union and workers' hands off all that lovely workers' money and hand it to the banks and the government's respectable friends. The brilliant plan backfired and the commission nailed the very people poor Kelly wanted to get their hands on all that money. And so we have to be nice to Kelly and I want to say how sorry I am that I use the word rat for that lot who have done so much for this country and are doing a hell of a lot more by leaping overboard. On that lost vote over the no proper papers lot, Scuttle then rejected calling an election showing maybe he does have a sense of history because the last big supremo to lose a vote on the government's own motion did call an election and managed in the election massacre to lose his own seat. This in the Great Depression, although I'm not sure what was uh, great about it, 
electing a socialist big supremo who believes serving the British banks and financiers whose debts arose from two blue Aussie joining the great massacre that was World War One to assist the British bankers must necessitate slashing the wages and conditions of those who did have a job and doing little to help those who didn't. So thank goodness this time we'd have the strength of that little working class hero, little Billy Shorten Ambition. On bombs and slaughter, a good, reputable, respectable open for business, the business of liberating countries from the bad guys, the business of bringing liberty, peace, serenity, someone has to convince the UN of the US of the UN of the world to investigate, weed out, expose these trained killers who are impersonating US of trained killers. When we know they can't be US of trained killers, because big supremo Donald Trump or the poor informed his nation and the world in his State of the Nation address that if he wasn't big supremo, the US of would be at war. And his spin doctor, Sarah... Oh, but don't think I'm using spin doctor as a pejorative. Certainly not. Sarah, spinning the great truths Donald stands for, told us the president opposes any act of violence against any individual or group. So it's obvious those train killers posing as U.S. of train killers all over the world are not bona fide U.S. of train killers because Donald has prevented war and anyway opposes violence. So the odds are they're evil Iranians posing as U.S. of train killers just to fool the world into thinking the U.S. of does love war and violence all over the world. And as evil Iran celebrates the 40th anniversary of throwing out the U.S of imposed Shah, full marks to the Lord Rupert of Wapping very progressive columnist Rita Payne is her views, telling us how good, how wonderful Iran used to be back then without managing to mention the Shah or the US of even once, which is a brilliant piece of historical analysis is some achievement. The fossils who know coal is critical to our true blue Aussie economy. It's now our most lucrative export, and don't forget, we're going to meet our Paris commitment on our ear, possibly, possibly because we will have collapsed from the air we're forced to breathe. Fossils who know are calling for the smelling salts and oxygen masks after the New South Wales Land and Environment Court Chief Justice ruled against a new Hunter Valley coal mine, declaring its contribution to climate change social impacts and True Blue Aussie's Paris commitments must be taken into account. The fossils point out that any proposal, not only coal, which emits CO2, could be rejected based on his honour's outrageous decision, leading the Institute of Public Very, Very Private Affairs to demand the decision be appealed. Its supremo John Risk comes with profit to declare it a sovereign risk. His honour did not understand our obligations under the Paris Agreement. Uh, which are, John? Uh, well, essentially, do nothing. The Troubler was he Minerals Profits Council gasped. There is a lot in the judgment that could be argued differently. Not sure that wasn't a veiled or not so veiled attack on the company's uh, Gloucester Resources legal team. And big coal power station owner Trevor St. Baker the Planet couldn't believe such illegality. I thought judges had to apply the law. Trevor reached for a cognac. What has been quoted in his judgment hardly accords with the law as I understand it.
understandable, of course, because the law, as Trevor understands it, is that he can do what he likes. They all agreed the judge, Brian Preston, had ignored the law and imposed his personal views, dicta being the legal term. So, just for the record, a lawyer who represents the big end of town in an interview this week said Preston's judgment was based on, wait for it, the law. Which we must question, listener, because how outrageous that an environment court should consider the environment in a judgment. As Trevor would say, it's not the environment I know. Aren't we lucky here in Victoria we have the good old EPA, which never takes the environment into account. Bit of a nasty environment in Canberra when a former One Notion member, and there's plenty of them, staged a 12-round bout in the corridors of make-believe power with one of that appalling Hoonsun's advisers, and accused that appalling of making improper approaches to him, which had that appalling falling about in stitches. I can't stop laughing! But I feel there may be something in the allegation because the accuser got off the canvas to tell us the first alleged approach occurred at a place called Rooty Hill. Uh, so there might be something in it. Finally, let's finish where we started. The no proper papers boat people enjoying our holiday island hospitality at great public expense. But expense undertaken with thorough responsibility and due diligence. Like this contract to provide security on Manus Island awarded to a mob called the Paladin Group. $423 million of our hard earned over the past 22 months and extended on January 3 while the country was in holiday slumber. Paladin who I hear? Well, Paladin is run by an ex-True Blue Aussie train killer and another bloke with no fixed addresses. The train killer who has left huge debts all over the Pacific and Asia before changing the names of his Phoenix companies. Another director now charged with 106 counts of fraud and money laundering. Experts claiming the profit margin from our public contract is huge, even by their standards. And Paladin's office address a shed down a dirt track on Kangaroo Island with no postal contact, showing the extent of the due diligence Constable Duffer's lot undertook on our behalf. Now, after this was exposed, Constable Duffer said he couldn't reveal details of the contract for security reasons. But now, as the proverbial hits the fan, justifies his role as the responsible minister by declaring he had nothing to do with the contract. I knew, like you know, nothing. And Constable Duffer knowing nothing is a most reasonable explanation. Good morning. You're the only dream I want You're the only dream I have In the morning when I wake up I feel you in my head All we gotta do is grow And believe it's in our souls For the world we love We'll say it again Never fade away
Camp Anarchy is on over the long weekend, March 9th to 11th at Camp Eureka in Yarra Junction. The aim is to bring anarchists, families, friends and those interested together. Come share ideas, skills, food, music and laughter. There is a bunch of radical workshops and skill shares over the weekend. Check out our website campanarchy.org or contact us on info at campanarchy.org or via the Anarchist Events Facebook page. Camp Anarchy is a 3CR supporter. You're on Solidarity Breakfast with Annie and we've got Owen Bennett on the line. G'day, Owen, how are you? Good morning, Annie. Well, good. thank you. Yeah, good. Um, Owen is, of course, from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, and uh, I've been noticing that uh, the Australian Unemployed Workers Union have been gathering their forces, obviously leading up uh, to the federal election, but also in general uh, because of all the hard work that you guys have been doing, not only campaigning but also arming people with uh, skills. So you've got a couple of different uh, approaches in your Dignity Not Doll campaign, haven't you? Yeah, that's right, Annie. Um, we're, we're really trying to give unemployed workers a pathway to actually have a say in society and um, be able to influence um, sort of the world around them. We, we find that a lot of our members really want to... Uh, um, sort of have a political voice, but unfortunately, because the way this government treats unemployed workers, they're sort of it's, it's very difficult for them. So, as a national body, we're going to try to train and resource our volunteers, sort of give them skills and uh, the the means to um, talk to other unemployed workers in their area and form little branches and action groups and talk amongst themselves about how they can actually fight for the rights and dignity of unemployed workers in their local area. We were talking to uh, Roger Wilson uh, about from Fair Go for Pensioners just earlier in the program uh, around the shift that's happened in regards to the uh, government perception of uh, unemployed people. I know that the concept of the dole bludger came out in the 1970s, but it's taken another step to uh, uh, of uh, describing uh, pensions and uh, social security as being uh, entitled, in- as if people are acting as if they're entitled people to be able to be part of a, a, a social inclusion. There's a whole range of different policies that are actively excluding people. One of them, of course, is the cashless welfare card. Can you talk to that issue? Yes, well, I, I think it's um, it's pretty shocking, really, how the, world, the word entitlement has become a dirty word. And I don't see anything wrong with the word entitlement. I mean, Social Security is a right that people have as citizens. And, you know, if you um, have a particular personal circumstance, then you're entitled to income support from from the government. And I think that it's, um, it's really important for us to emphasise that. And that's one of the
the things we're going to be talking about a lot with our Dignity Not Dull campaign and sort of reframing the debate away from um, what we want, for example, is an extra $75 in Newstart, which is that's um, one of the big demands that's coming out of um, certain areas in the sort of progressive movement. And what we're saying is, well, Yes, that, that'll help, but what we really need to start talking about is why are we only asking for an extra $75, which would still put Newstart um, basically $150 per week below the poverty line. Like at, at the moment, the rate of Newstart is $243 per week below the poverty line. And, you know, that's, that's shocking when you think about that. Yeah, the the flow-on effects, not being able to feed yourself, uh, uh, have a roof over your head, uh, actually go for jobs at all. Yeah, and you know there, there was a time during the mid-70s where the Whitlam government introduced a policy which was all social security payments would be on the Henderson poverty line and that will be equal because there wasn't this divide and conquer amongst people on social security. But ever since then, all the payments are different now. You've got youth allowance, which is even lower than youth start. You've got the age pension, which is about the highest of the payments. And then you've got um, carers' pension, all these different levels of payment, which are all very different because they're trying to sort of... Uh, the government is saying, you know, these people we regard as deserving poor and these people we, we regard as not so deserving poor. And they have to meet all these requirements in order to get what is effectively, you know, a, a tiny little ration that'll not not really allow them any real um, uh, sort of ability. Well, it's, to, uh, it, it, it's a policy of divide and conquer, isn't it? It's a classic... Um, I was reading a thing that described how it was... Po- oh, and it sounds like a... Uh, uh, how to uh, described how to maintain a slave population in America in the 1800s, where they described the notion that uh, you um, put some slaves in slightly better accommodation and uh, with slightly less uh, uh, less arduous arrangements, so that you can then set one group of slaves against each other, so that they don't actually focus on their them being slaves. <laughs> to put to put it in a nutshell, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. I've I've heard that about ancient history as well, where um, people who weren't slaves were much less likely to revolt because they saw all the slaves around them and they thought, well, things could be much worse for us, and so they're less likely to to push back. And I think that is similar to what's happening with the way the government is approaching social security, um, where. It's a, it's a message. It's what I like to call heads-on spikes, where other workers, so people in employment, they see what's happening with unemployed people. They see all the crackdowns, and they think, well, I'm not going to rock the boat at my workplace, even though I'm getting bad conditions, not getting paid correctly, and all these other problems that are happening in my work site. But I'm not going to rock the boat, because if I do, I'm going to end up like these poor guys who have to do work for the doll at unsafe sites who are getting paid such a pitiful amount, who are increasingly being stigmatised within society, and all these other things that people on Social Security are facing, 
but it's all being done as a way to essentially discipline the wage demands and put workers in their place. And that's a really important part of our campaign is it's being not dull. We're trying to say to the working class as a whole that every attack on an unemployed worker is an attack on all of us. And it's in all of our interests to actually fight for, you know, a decent social security system that isn't just sort of a bit extra, but actually guarantees everyone a minimum living wage and guarantees them a dignified life. That's that's the minimum that we're, I think, we should be going for. So we need to reframe that debate and say, this is the right of citizenship. It isn't something that we should be scrounging around for for extra $75, although that would help. But we need to completely reframe it and say, we don't just want a higher payment. What we want is, is dignity. So, so what, thing- what are you saying? You're saying that... Uh- Instead of the people should, uh, the argument being that people should be focusing on people who are unemployed because it's all their own, it's all their own fault. People should actually be turning the uh, lamp onto the uh, government and society in general, saying, "Why aren't you doing your job?" Exactly, um, because when, when you, I think that's the, the it's quite um, sophisticated. Uh, in the, in the way the government frames it, where it's all very isolated, but they don't actually talk about the, the, the broader context. And in this case, with unemployed workers, I mean, they exist because the failure of the government to create work. At the moment, according to the official statistics, when you add together the amount of people unemployed, underemployed, and hidden unemployed, all the people the ADF count, it's about 2.8 million people and they're competing for roughly 180,000 jobs listed as as available job vacancies. So that's 16 people competing for every job vacancy. So there's always going to be people left out. And what we're we're trying to say to the government is saying, well, you haven't done your job in terms of providing people with employment. You haven't initiated the policies that would allow people to have reasonable access to employment. So the least that you can do is provide these people who have left out with the means to live, you know, a, a life at a, at a basic sort of living wage level where they can actually, you know, engage with society around them in a, in, in a way that, um, you know, isn't, isn't sort of, Restrictive, which is what it is now, where people on Newstart are actually sort of unable to to really engage with the world around them in in, in a way that that's that's a, a, at all um, I think positive or you know allows them that that that, that sort of freedom. So. Maybe, but, but, you know, that's one of the things about this particular government and perhaps others, but in this one in particular, everything is uh, predicated on the unemployed person or the person receiving a pension of some sort as if they're getting away with something. So in order to be uh, getting this particular amount of money, then they have to, that gives the right of the person, uh, the uh, state giving them the money or society, it gives them the right to terrorise that person. 
I mean, yeah. it, it, the the example at the moment is, of course, this uh, pe- uh, this amount of money that's going to un- uh, single parents, where that person has to constantly go through hoops in order to prove their worthiness. Yes, and I think that's really the one of the, the key components of our Dignity Not Dull campaign, where we're saying that for a long time there hasn't really been any effective resistance to the government's ongoing attacks against people on Social Security, against raising the requirements more and more and more. And as you say, to the point now where they're even bashing single parents over the head and saying, you guys have to do a whole bunch of stuff, otherwise we'll cut you off. And they've been cut off every day by private employment services agencies that they don't, you know, go to story time or something. And it's like it's gotten to this point where I believe we need to make a, I think, a clear statement as a as a progressive movement, not just about employed workers, but all our supporters need to get together and say, this is enough. We can't keep allowing the government to keep pushing this. And I think I think we have to take a long, hard look at ourselves as a as a sort of a working class and think, well, how did we allow this to happen? How did we allow the government to be so emboldened that they would start putting requirements on single parents in order for them to to have, you know, in, in, you know, their, their income support? And this is something that, that dates back to the 1980s when Bob Hawke introduced activation policies, which is basically a code word for we're going to bash you over the head and make you do all kinds of things in order to receive a very small level of income support. That happened in the 80s. I think a lot of the progressive left went along with that, and we've created an environment in Australia where no one really questions it any, anymore. Well, no, because but, the, the argument that was put forward is that you're helping people to gain skills. You've got people who have become constitu- constitutionally uh, uh, um, acclimatised to the notion that they uh, they will get a, sm- a small amount of payment uh, and uh, not have to confront uh, going out to work. So if we do these things, then we're going to be helpful to them. We're going to help them to gain life skills so that they can get out there and do that. But at some point, it actually has stepped over the mark from not being a helpful thing to do. But I use the word terrorising, and people might think that that was being inflammatory. But once they start looking at people who have nothing to do with this system at all, once they start realising the things that people are being subjected to, they think in their own minds, how could I actually do that? And get you know get on with life because you know the the amount of jobs people have to go for the uh, the work for the doll stuff now work for the doll for example that where people are not covered by OH and its law uh, where they have no control over where they're working all of these types of things I mean this is bordering on slavery yes I I, I think terrorizing is a is an apt word and we also like to use psychological torture when yeah. you're when you're dealing with an employment services agency who under this new system have the power of life and death over unemployed workers. They they can implement five payment suspensions without any oversight from the government and unemployed workers have no right of appeal. 
So you're, you're essentially a second class You're at citizen. their mercy. You're at their mercy. That's, uh, that's right. We should concentrate yeah. now, because we're coming to the end of, uh, end of this interview. Uh, you're on Solidarity Breakfast, and we're having a yarn with Owen Bennett we're to- from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. One of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you was because of how impressed I am with the uh, the get up and go. And one of the get up and go things that the Unemployed Workers Union has involved itself in is, is a, a, par- a partnership with Get Up. Yes, well, this is part of what we're trying to do by giving our members um, a, a, a pathway to, to activism, essentially, because I think it's something that we we need to work harder on to make, because when you're in this world of activism with unemployed workers, it, it, it can be very challenging trying to um, build a sort of... A sense of direction. Capacity. Yeah. On on the ground because I mean it's it's hard enough getting through the day when you're dealing with employment services agencies and all these various attacks that up that we're talking about. So it like that that's one of the key challenges, um, and this is the reason why unemployed workers unions are um, historically a sort of they they start and they stop and they start and they stop all the way back to the 1930s because it's just a very difficult area. So we're we're, we're trying to build a, a wider movement of, of organisations that can help us give our, our volunteers the, the, the skills and the resources they need. And then that's why we um, have to have a good relationship with you know, organisations like Get Up National Union of Workers and a range of other organisations who are helping us you know, in, in all kinds of different ways and in... in, in um, Relation to get up there, they're helping us train our our members about how to how to become activists, and that's that's going to be a big focus over the next few months, particularly in Melbourne, where we're going to be forming action groups around Melbourne, essentially to build um, power in these areas. So, all the things we we're talking about about this this punitive social security system, what we want to have resistance to that, we want to show. These employment services agencies want to show sentiment. They can't just keep beating people around and not having any consequences for that. So we've been very inspired by um, what we've seen in with other groups. Like I know Sydney Solidarity is one group where they would um, basically come into bat for a person who had been badly treated at the workplace and they would pick at that particular workplace. These are the kinds of things we're thinking should be applied also to employment services agencies where people do get badly treated, when they aren't given the rights that they should be given under the deeds and the contracts, well, we'll come in there behind them and try to support them. So so because we're coming right to the end of the uh, program, can you tell people how they can get in in contact? Sure. Well, um, we're we're actually having a a branch, um, sort of an action group meeting, um, the Inner North uh, Coburg Library um, on the on the fourteenth. That's at that's at about four thirty p.m. That's on the Thursday. So next Thursday at Coburg Library, we're going to be having a meeting to, to basically just open the floor up to people and say, how can we better fight back against these attacks that are just ongoing? We need to draw this line in the sand. How are we going to do that? And give people the resources to do that. And that's only one of many action groups we want to form. We're in the process of forming one in 
in the inner west in Footscray and we'd also love to hear from people who want to form action groups you can go on our website and you can click on the join your local action group and then you can sign up and then we'll get back to you with more information about how you can get more involved in you know actually you know showing the government that we're not going to accept this sort of thing anymore and leading up to the election if we make that you know, a big election issue in certain electorates, particularly marginal electorates, will be able to get, you know, a lot of attention on these issues, which is so important and so long overdue. Thanks for talking to us today, Owen. Thanks, Annie. Coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents. That's it for Solidarity Breakfast this morning. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.